The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Hey folks, this is Ryan Rushton. Thank you for tuning in and listening to one of our podcasts today. Tuning in. Tuning in. Sounds like they're like tuning the dial. It is tuning the dial. Man, that's I just aged myself something (laughs) serious. Yes, please tune that dial in on the AM station. Do you notice that 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 motion people do when they say roll down a window? Well, they're they're not going to see the motion. The people people, go around (laughs) and around in a circle. The people who've tuned in aren't going to see that motion you're making, but I know what you're saying. Others don't even know what I'm talking about. So, uh, so a lot of us have taken this behavioral assessment from Predictive Index, just to bring us back on topic. Um, not that we've started yet, but uh, we've we've been placed in categories and been told a little bit about ourselves, uh, but we're not quite sure how to interpret the results. So, I'm here, as you might have heard, with Clay Christensen, who who overs who who, who has overseen the administration of this program. Um, and, uh, and I've got some questions for him that will help us understand what it is that we're looking at with these behavioral assessment results. So Clay, start by giving us a little bit of a background of what this program is and why you decided to implement it. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll start by saying I, I was always a real cynic of these programs and, and, and mm-hmm. was a bit hesitant about using something like this, especially in, a, in an organizational level. Um, I don't like things that tell me well, you're a red and, you know, <laughs> right, that's who right. you are. And, and, but, but I learned a little bit more. And, and so I did look at other programs and I, and I kept turning several down saying, you know, I just don't think we're interested. Predictive Index was a little bit different. It was, it was developed during World War II. And it's an interesting story. It was by a, a person trying to recruit pilots for, for World War II. And he was trying to figure out who could really handle the rigors of war. Mm. And, and 70 plus years later, it's it's been adapted and it's used worldwide. Uh, I can't remember all their statistics, you know, 70 different countries or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's used to determine people's natural drives, their natural inclinations. And and what I liked about predictive index is what it really measures. Um, you know, like I say, what 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 naturally drives you. So I, I, I again, this is a podcast. I know I've been doing hand motions, and, and people aren't understanding. <laughs> Your gesticulations what I'm doing. are not going to come through. I know. So so try to picture this. Um, drives create needs, and behaviors satisfy those needs. So so okay. if I if if you write the word, just put in your mind the word drives, okay. and then from the word drives, draw an arrow to the word needs. Drives lead to needs. Okay. And then from an arrow from the word needs to the word behaviors. So needs lead to behaviors because behaviors satisfy those needs. Okay. See, see what happens and what all these other things tend to measure are people's behaviors. They see how people act. And we see people's behaviors, but underneath those behaviors are drives and needs that we never see. Let, let me just mm-hmm. give you a quick example that I, I give a lot to try and uh, explain this. 
the three of us might go out to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I may be driven by hunger. Right. Uh, Vanessa is driven by wanting to network. Okay. And Ryan is driven by wanting to socialize. Those are three entirely different drives okay. leading to the same behavior. We see the behavior, right, right. but we never know the drive, <laughs> right? right? And so, so this is a system that helps us, uh, you know, figure out those drives. I mean, I, I, I'll give these reports to people and, and mm-hmm. they'll say, well, it says this is my drive, uh, but but I do this all the, t- all the time. And I always say, but that's your behavior. Right. That's a great distinction. That's different from the drive, right? Yeah. So John F. Kennedy once said this. Seems like I quote JFK <laughs> a lot. Do I? We'll have to do a count um, at some point. Ever since I've not been allowed to quote the Bible anymore. <laughs> all right. So uh, JFK once said this, said, said, and I really think this is true. He said, people do best what comes naturally. Okay. Right. We, we're, we're trying to figure out what comes naturally to people. The, the book Multipliers that that we focused on a couple years back, it talks a lot about native genius and and learning to figure out people's native genius. The things that we would do, even if nobody was paying us, what we gravitate towards doing. Right. Mm-hmm. It helps us understand want to versus have to. Right. There's a lot of things in my job that I have to do that I don't necessarily want to do. And that's a reality. But the more want to's that are in my job and the better I match to my want to's, the more successful I'm going to be. So, again, behaviors might be the same, but understanding innate drives really helps us to figure out what people will be great at. And if we match that well, um, we can be we can be so much more successful. In fact. Let me just say one more thing before you go on. I I know I'm I'm being long. (laughs) No, go ahead. That's fine. I want you to think about this. We tend to be hired for what we know, but we tend to be fired for who we are. Okay. Hmm. We we tend to be hired for what we know, but then we are usually fired for what we are. And so what we're trying to do with this is, is figure out, do a better job figuring out what we are before that, that to, to make the decision based on what we are bases uh, versus uh, uh, what we know. That makes sense. So uh, so when I took my assessment, I got a report back saying that I was an individualist, which, uh, which is a person who tends to be highly independent and persistent while remaining results oriented. Is it true? It is true, actually. Yeah? And it's, okay. it was interesting as I told people that I was that I was an individualist. I got a lot of nods. Oh, that's, you know, yeah. make actually <laughs> makes sense. And I, I noticed when I was you know looking at some of the other folks that I, yeah. I went to the original course with that uh, you were a persuader, yes. uh, which is a risk-taking, socially poised, and motivating team builder, and uh, it sort of puts you in a uh, in a grouping with others that are like you. Did did you also relate when you heard uh, persuader in yeah. the definition? Yeah, I mean, I, I with most of it. I, I mean, I'd say ninety-five percent of mine as I as I read it, I, I just kind of smiled and thought, okay, that makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense, right? Uh, and then every once in a while, I think, really? And, and you know, so we, we can talk about that a little bit. And, and I should point out that these groupings, you know, there's 17 different categories. Mm-hmm. They were actually only implemented in this program a few years back. You know, after 70 oh, years of this organization being in practice, they noticed, hey, there's certain categories. There's sort of neighborhoods that people... Um, that they share similar similar characteristics and and I think it's important to realize the test is not to help you determine what group you're in. Okay. Your analysis is very unique to you. I mean to to quote my mom, you are all <laughs> unique, right? 
As, as one of 11 <laughs> children, she had to tell us that you, a lot. You, that's awesome. You are you are all unique, right? And and but but some of you share certain characteristics that we might be able to you know, put into a category, all persuaders aren't alike. Vanessa's a persuader. I'm a persuader. Mm -hmm. We're, 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 we share certain drives, but there are differences too. And, and, uh, you know, a, a, a persuader, like, so we're most likely going to be socially oriented rather than task oriented and other similarities like that. But, but they, again, they just realized a while back that there are, there are different categories that they could really group. And so they named them and, and just sort of helps people sort of differentiate differently. But, but again, it's really the overall analysis that you should be looking at. And, and I won't get into all 17, uh, due to lack of time and, and how long winded I can be. <laughs> but, but let me let me just go into a, you know, share kind of an overview. Great. So the first five, five of them fall into what are called analytical profiles. Okay. So if you're an analyzer, a controller, a specialist, a strategist, or a venturer, these are analytical profiles. And they, they tend to be more dominant then extroverted, okay. uh, meaning their A tends to be really high and their their B is a, is a little bit lower. And I'll explain that a little yeah. bit later, too. Okay, thank you. I was going <laughs> to ask you to... I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. I'm so excited okay. to be here. <laughs> but but uh, they're more dominant than extroverted and they work at a faster pace. They're generally more task-oriented as opposed to people-oriented. Okay. Right? So that there's just... Those are general differences of those four. Uh, five an, uh, analytical profiles. So there's six groups that fall into the social profiles. Um, and and that's an altruist, a captain, a collaborator, a maverick, a persuader, and a promoter. The, you know, these reference profiles in the social group, they're highly extroverted compared to other behavioral drives. They tend to uh, focus on relationships. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that's their drive, and so I say they tend to. Their behavior tends to focus on relationships right. based on what their drives right. are. doesn't mean they have to, but, but it, it, it's their natural inclination. So now, then there's three groups that are known as the stabilizing profile. They're craftsmen, guardians, and operators. And you think about that, sta- the, the, the stabilizing group and what that means. They have a low amount of dominance and extroversion, with high patience and formality. People hmm. with profiles in this group are, they're steady, they're detailed, they, they work well with structure and hmm. processes, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. just a general characteristic that they share. Then there's two groups in the persistent profile, individualists, right? congratulations, right. Thank you. Thank you. persistent, and scholars. I was waiting for which, which group I was yeah. going to be in. And so, so re- the, the persistent group, they're more dominant than extroverted, so your A is higher, okay. a high amount of patience. In the workplace, people with uh, profiles in the persistent group, they're generally task-oriented and deliberate and thrive when they have control over their own work. Now, again, to be task-oriented over social-oriented has nothing, it doesn't mean you're you like people or you don't like people or you work well with people or you don't work well with okay. people. It's when a problem comes up, do you naturally, do you try and solve the task on your own and then bring it to the group hmm. or do you go to the group to solve the task? Got it. Got it. That's okay. So, so that's it's a, a distinguishment. The difference, yeah. And then finally, if, if anybody's doing math, you've noticed I've done 16 <laughs> and I said there's 17. Um, there, there's the adapters. 
Uh, adapters are hard readbacks for me to give because they're kind of their line goes sort of straight down the middle. They're hmm. they're bridge builders that are comfortable in changing situations. They they have a similar amount of each of the behavioral drives. So there's no predominant drive that really uh, fuels his or her needs and behaviors. They they're sometimes hard to read because there's not a strong drive that defines their behavior. Um, it's interesting. You know, they're, yeah, they're versatile and adaptable. It's it's they're good at flexing to meet the needs of the situation. Uh, so you know they can work with a variety of people. They're often seen as bridge builders or glue in a team setting. Hmm. They view all sides of the situation and. And I think, I guess their strength I would describe is they're really good at putting themselves in another person's shoes. Okay. So is there a certain pattern then that you're really looking for when you're looking for administrators or, or for other certain roles? You know, that's what I thought I was signing on for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> you would use and, it to find and, the, yeah, the, perfect, thinking, the perfect profile. And, and statistically, we are tracking who's having more success in mm-hmm. what role or, or we're certainly starting to. But we've come to realize or i've come to realize that everything is a strength and everything is a weakness interesting so it's 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 really the the key is to understand to have to have really good self-awareness in fact i've i've said that self-awareness is probably um one of the most important if not the most important competency of a leader it's one of the reasons why i like to ask the question you know talk to me about your weaknesses in an interview right because if they say something that i think is not them or i can you know like i, I what my biggest weakness is i work so I i'm so passionate much. about my work and right but but if and if they don't realize that they have a quirk or a struggle then i worry that they're not self-aware right so so my assessment might tell me that I have a very low drive for consistency and stability, as mine does. Mm-hmm. So the strength in that is is it helps me deal with a changing environment and an almost thriving in stressful situation. However, it might also tell me that I need to be better at focusing on more consistently doing the disciplined acts every day that are going to help bring me success. I might struggle to have those daily meetings that yeah. I need to have because it doesn't come naturally to me. It's not it's not my natural drive. I can still behave the proper way. Right. But it's not my right. natural drive. You've got to overcome that natural drive. Yeah, and I, yeah. I've got to focus on it more, right? So so you know, as long as I'm self-aware uh, then, then I can make it work for me as a strength. Mm-hmm. Again, everything is a strength and everything is a weakness. Well, that makes and the, sense that way. The key is being aware of them. These these assessments really help us to be uh, more aware. And and I'll throw in one more quick caveat too. You know, I mentioned that you know ninety to ninety five percent of my report seems accurate for mm-hmm. me. These aren't necessarily a hundred percent accurate. I want I want you to think of it. Um, kind of like a weather predictor, right? When there's an 80% chance of rain, (laughs) it's when the barometric pressure and the temperature and the winds and whatever else, when they are in this condition, 80% of the time it it rains. rains. And this is telling us when you have this drive, that drive, this drive, and that drive, these people, you know, 80% of the time tend to exhibit, you know, these strengths or these behaviors um, and I have found that, you know, at least 80% of mine is is quite correct in, in its assessment of me. 
That makes sense. As you were finishing that sentence and I was nodding at you, I also realized that my nods are not coming through on the, the right. podcast as well. <laughs> Let it be noted that Ryan <laughs> I was, understands I was and agrees. I understand and agree. <laughs> so when I got my report, I have three charts. Uh, help me understand what I'm looking at, please. Yeah, there's there's these three little graphs, uh, right. these lines that you see. The, the first graph is the actual you. This is That's what's measuring your innate drives. The second one just below it is is how you think you need to adapt in in response to your current environment. Let me state it another way. Okay. It's it's the person you think you should be for okay. your job. <laughs> okay, that's that, that was, yeah, that was a good restatement. So, so there's 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 who I actually am and the person that I think that I should be. Okay. And when there's a huge discrepancy between those two, that teaches me something, hmm. right? If right. somebody's if somebody's actual A is far to the left and they think that they should be far to the right and all these different things, I'm seeing stress yeah. in that individual's life knowing that they're trying hard to, you know, adapt and that mismatches, you know, those mismatches, I, we need to learn to track this statistically, but I, I, I'd love to see... And I would imagine to find that those mismatches lead to higher turnover. Yeah. Um, and then the third chart, the one you see just below that, the second one is is simply a combination of the first two. It's it's the actual you trying to adapt to the you that you think you should be, and so it's a halfway point, right? <laughs> okay. It's, it's a it's sort of a where you probably uh, land. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's how people probably see you okay. behaving. Okay. Which is sometimes why it's hard to guess what people's um drives actually are because again, mm -hmm. we see their behaviors. Right. That may not tell us what their what their drives are. Right. Um, and, and I should point out, you know, in that third chart, you're going to find an E factor. It's just one dot and it's either, you know, to the left center or to the right. If your E factors further, further to the right, like mine, you tend to use objective data in making decisions. You really trust the data a lot more. Statistics, okay. results, things like that. So I, I take this data when I'm interviewing people with my E factor to the right this really has uh it, it really weighs on me and i and i really take it into account when making a decision hmm. the further left you go the more you're likely to to base your decisions on subjective data how you feel about something right mm -hmm. um so if i have low e and i see lots of data that makes me feel like oh, i probably shouldn't hire this person but man i just really like them mm -hmm. then i'm much more likely to go with my gut feeling <laughs> and and you know pick them for really liking them it's just telling you how you more naturally make those decisions I, I, it's really interesting I, I can see the way that that the sort of ha having that self-awareness along with sort of that data really helps you try to at least you know modify those those areas that that would have been weaknesses yeah and I, I mean i would think too if i'm interviewing leaders i pr it, it doesn't i probably want to find somebody with an e factor further to the right because yeah. i want them to trust data but just because somebody's e is to the left doesn't mean they don't it just means they have to make a more concerted effort yeah, it's, that makes it's sense. a have to versus the want to no that makes sense right so a little bit earlier you had mentioned uh, an a drive and a b drive and so yeah. uh, so at, at this point i guess can you talk to me a bit about the a drive and the b drive and and help me know how to really read my chart better yeah so and if you're you know listening to the podcast and you've received your report or you haven't received your report you know you can 
reach out to me or Denise Stanford or anybody else that works uh, with this predictive index and, and we can send you your reports. Um, when I say high, I mean far to the right. When I say low, it means far to the left, okay. right? So left is low and right is high. So okay. let's start with your A factor. Your A factor is your drive for dominance or to exert influence. So a low A means that you have a drive to be agreeable and supportive. Okay. You like to include others and collaborate, uh, which is what I'm not. In fact, most <laughs> of our administrators are high A's, which is, mm. you know, means you you like to make an impact and and see your thumbprint on that impact. You're mm. you're more assertive. The A factor is sort of like you having your foot on the gas. And the farther to the right, the more you like to push the gas pedal down naturally, okay. right? So that's that's the A factor. Um, the, the B factor is your drive for social interaction. Remember, it's not are you, do you like people or don't no like people? It's, right. It's, it's, so a low B factor means that you like your private time for reflection before making a decision. I did a read back with okay. Barry Port, and Barry Port's B factor is, is, is slightly to the left. And I said, Barry, do you, you like your time in your office to be able to figure things out before? He goes, absolutely. He <laughs> says, I absolutely okay. need that time before I bring it to the group. My B factor is high. So, um, it's you know where whereas he Barry will say give me some time on my own to think this through the mm -hmm. the high B means that you're more sociable you like to pull a team together and say okay. let's walk through this together again it doesn't mean you like people or don't like or whatever it means that their natural drive in solving problems is either doing it on their own versus okay. getting a group together okay. That is okay. a good, clear distinction. That's, yeah, that's, a, a, that's a big difference. Because I've had to learn this, too, and, and you know, I, where I think it means something, and, right. and I'm, I'm slowly figuring it out. So, no, the, thank you. so the C factor, then. The C factor is your drive for consistency and stability. So if I have a low C drive, I tend to like variety in my work. And, and I'll respond. So I have a low C. It's my lowest one. I, 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 I respond positively to pressure. Okay. Um, I like that my job is different every day. If I have a high C factor, you're much more comfortable with familiarity and uniformity. And again, this isn't saying it's your behavior. It's it's talking about your natural drive. Okay. So so if you have a high C, I've, I've joked with... Uh, um, uh, Rick Forscott about this mm -hmm. and you know he has a high C and I have a low C he, a high C uh, you, you you can still work in a constantly changing environment but but you'll you'll likely try to make your environment more stable you'll be really good at having the meetings that you're supposed to have and bring and, some stability and, to and a, creating the stability yeah. stability right because everything is a strength and and everything is a is a weakness luckily rick doesn't work in a very constantly changing that's environment right. at all huh, rick? that's right gold makers is just <laughs> fine um so so and then finally uh the the d factor and and the d factor which is another one of my low drives is your your drive for formality and structure so if you have a low D like me, you tend to be spontaneous, casual, flexible. My communication with people tends to be more casual, more just trying to connect socially. Whereas a high D tends to mean you have a drive for structure and framework. So if I'm if I'm an administrator 
and, and I'm uh, running an ensign affiliated operation, I might struggle in a less corporate structured environment. But where I can make that a strength is be really good at implementing structure mm -hmm. within my own operation. So again, everything is a strength. Everything is a weakness. No, thank you. Those, those were great ex explanations about the different drives. And, and I can really see that, uh, say, a CEO job uh, being more suitable to certain drives than maybe yeah. an IT or accounting job. Uh, it seems like uh, it, it would help us, uh, you know, it really seems like it would help us to place, lead, and, and even interact with other people. So uh, you're heavily involved in our finding and developing functions. Yeah. And uh, how would you really, and how do you use these tools in your people finding and development? Yeah, let me let me start. I'll, I'll share a few of the tools with you. And, and that way, if, you know, those of you listening, if you have interest, you know, you can reach out and we can provide some of these tools to you. Unfortunately, not everybody has access to the system. It's it's not how the company works, but, you know, we here at the service center can provide some of these tools for you. And, and I'll start with the interview guide. So if I'm interviewing someone for, let's say, a service center job or they want to be a market leader or a CML or an administrator or or even in, and with our contract with with Predictive Index, mm -hmm. uh, a big four in the facility. So, you know, a, a, a DON, a marketer, business developer, DOR, okay. et cetera, right? Uh, you can you can send these assessments out to the candidates. And then for most of these jobs, we have what's called sort of a job analysis setup where people have said, we really think it would be beneficial if they had these drives. Okay. And there's sort of parameters that they're in, right? So, so we have sort of that expectation set up. Well, the candidate's assessment gets matched to the expectation of the job, and it then gives you an interview guide of things that I need to be looking for. So maybe the expectation, let's talk about administrators. Uh, maybe the expectation of a new ED is, is that they have a low drive for consistency, that their CB lows because their job is going to be changing every day. If the candidate has a high C, like I, you know, joked about with, <laughs> with Rick, you know, it denotes a high drive for consistency. So the interview guide is going to give me questions to help me determine their self-awareness and how they're going to be able to adapt. Oh, that's interesting. So it's it's sort of pointing out those discrepancies that you have, and it, and it it gives you a starting point of of where to probe. Oh, that's right? great. No, that's great. And and so you know it 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 helps us to tailor each interview to the actual candidate and the actual position that they're interviewing for. And that way, I'm not giving just a cookie cutter interview and I'm really finding out if the candidate is right for this position. Now, I don't ever use the exact questions they give me right. in the, the interview guide, but I like to see the general themes of, hey, this is something they might struggle with. And then I tailor my questions specifically um, in preparation for the interview yeah. around around what the guide is telling me to look out for. No, that makes a ton of sense. That, that Hearing about that tool, that would I can just picture how much that would really help me focus my interviews of candidates, you know, really towards their natural drives, yeah. you know, compared to what the job will likely require. Require. Um, yeah, no, that's great. I love that. So what, what are some other tools that you're using? Uh, a really popular one is called relationship development. Okay. Um, I might have a, an ED who is struggling to interact with their DON or their marketer, or I'll have a market leader struggling to connect with one of their EDs or, or maybe their CML. I or someone on my team can plug in the two names into the relationship guide. <laughs> 
and and, and it <laughs> takes your you know beep, 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 you know you pick up the blinking lights and everything, uh-huh. and it's going to take all of your sort of natural drives. And it will talk to you about how you're likely to communicate, where you're likely to struggle. Again, mm-hmm. I say likely because it's like a weather, you know, right. uh, weather right. 80%. prediction, right? So, someone might be very dominant or one might need more empathy or, or whatever. It will give you some insight on how you can improve your communication with with that person. Okay. Um, and, and I've, you know. It's interesting as I've sent these out, people have said that's really helpful. I I always just thought they didn't care what I was talking about or they seemed to not be listening. But then they learned how the other person processes information and how it's different from them. And and it really helped improve their understanding of of the other person. So so yeah, I've had I've had a lot of leaders reach out to me or or Denise or someone else and ask for guidance on on how to relate to someone they work with. And I think it's a great vulnerable step to take. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping it can really help us improve in our, you know, whether it be customer second or love one another or accountability, just how we interact with, with each other. No, that's really a, a great sounding tool. I, I didn't realize they, they had that capability. It, yeah. It sounds awesome. I, you know, Clay, we really should do one of those at some point. You know, Ryan, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> uh, I, I see you're grabbing. What are you grabbing there? out a relationship guide with you and I, you right. an individualist. Oh. All right. And, and okay. I'm looking at this here. And and you're, it looks like your E is right in the middle. You're okay. saying you weren't sure where it was. Right. You're, you're kind of right, right in the middle. middle. Okay. So um, it gives you relationship strengths and cautions and tips. And it, it gives a list under each. So I'm, I'm going to read a couple of our cautions. Okay. Ryan, okay. Okay. In, in Please. Let's, all right, I'm ready. We, we don't I'm need ready. to talk about our strengths. No, we know there's plenty so, of those. So ways. Ryan and Clayton may work hard to persuade each other, <laughs> but may not listen closely <laughs> to each other when there's disagreement. Okay. That's very interesting. So I could something. I could picture that happening. I'm talking, hey, Clay, Ryan. I'm trying to tell Stop. you something here. Listen. <laughs> I couldn't have planned that any better. Okay. All right. Here's here's one other caution. Ryan and Clayton may interrupt each other <laughs> or they may initiate communication uh when it suits their Clay, own wait, wait, hold individual. on. <laughs> so so if it if it if it fits into your schedule, you'll initiate it. If it fits, right. we can be a little bit selfish right. That's in, interesting. Our, in can, our communication, it's, I, right? It's interesting. It's getting is it warm. Vanessa, did you turn up the heat in here? It's like it's getting hot in here right <laughs> now. I don't know what's going on. Okay, so then it gives you a list of tips, and I'll just I'll just uh, read one of them. You know, based on the cautions, Ryan and Clayton would re- uh, should remember to practice active listening and to you know leave each conversation with a clear list of next steps because we might just talk and talk and talk and And it's just overview and we don't get into details and it's saying, Hey, you'd be good. It'd be a good idea to say, okay, so here's three things that we need to take from this conversation. You know, what's interesting is I was listening to the last podcast we recorded and, um, I cut you off like two times on it. <laughs> and that's and, why I bring this up. Well, and, no, and, and even in the podcast where I'm supposed to be extra attentive to not cutting you off because I realize how bad that's going to sound on the recording. I'm like, I cut him off like two times in that. So it's so hilarious that but you just I brought do that the up. same to you. That's, but you know, let's see what we've just, got the self awareness we need to work on now, Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go over our strengths offline so that we can. 
feel better. You feel better, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, good. That was great. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you want to share uh, with us before? Yeah, we wrap the there, there's up? another tool that's interesting to talk about. I, okay. I I like to use, and and I've used this with a lot of leaders in groups. It's it's group analysis, uh, and and teamwork styles. There's there's a couple of different things surrounding this. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if you if you listen to my podcast on on cognitive diversity, you know my belief that it's important to be a part of team teams that that see the world differently, so that we can really have good, healthy cognitive tension. Right, that's yeah. going to lead us to big breakthroughs. Well, one of the things you can do with predictive index is take a group or a team and do analysis, whether it's your cluster, your leadership team, your market, your your service center team. Anybody that's on your team that's that's taken the assessment, we plug in all the members of your team, mm-hmm. and then we can do group analytics to see what quadrants different members of your group fall in. So, mm-hmm. so how they communicate, how they influence, how they lead. Some you'll find are influencers, while some gravitate towards command and control. Some are task-oriented and some are people-oriented. Some are are quick to trust others while while some are really slow to to uh, earn people's trust. There there's several things you can learn about each other that will help you know how the other ticks. You can you can sort of use these reports to talk about how to interact more effectively and really work towards creating your own dream teams. I these are longer reports so I won't get into it. I printed one for for the uh, my learning and development team. Oh, and, wow. And so it talks about, you know, overall how the team members work together. Is the team goal oriented uh, or is the team, uh, are they they oriented and impatient for results? Is the team cooperative and Mm -hmm. relaxed? I mean, it's just there's different mentalities. How they communicate, Um, you know, how do they communicate to solve problems and to build relationships? Are they formal and thoughtful? Or are they informal and intense? Somebody yeah. that's very formal might get really uncomfortable with me that comes into a meeting with very <laughs> informal communication. Right. And they right. think, well, does he not care? You know, but just to realize, oh, okay, that's just he, that's, he, how, he, clay that's how clay is. operates. Yeah. And and team action, how work gets done in the team. Do things get done through tasks or people? Is it execution about process or innovation? And then decision making, how they work together to make decisions. Are decisions made collaboratively or independently? Are they hmm. are they generally safe? Are you a safe team or are mm-hmm. you a risky team <laughs> or different members of the team? You can see each other in your quadrants and really learn a lot about your team dynamics. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of the group, uh, group analysis done and it is really interesting to see how the dynamics translate into the actual performance of the group. Yeah. I've got, in fact, I've I've, I've got a team I'm, I'm really excited to actually go through this analysis with right now. And I've had leaders say, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now I see why the perception is this. And yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, Clay, this has been really interesting. And I'm hoping really more of us here can know how to use the PI as a tool in our finding uh, finding any leadership. Um, really, any parting words you want to share with us before we conclude? Yeah, I you know it's funny we're doing this podcast. Uh, I I was uh, talking with Chelsea Guerrero uh, mm-hmm. the other day, and she was saying this is a podcast I really think you need to do, and I I agree with her in that you know we we're constantly saying we like to consider ourselves a leadership company that just happens to be in healthcare. Right. I love that. I love how you say that. I love that. And and I I think I mean it needs to be true. We're obsessed with becoming better and finding and developing the best leaders in the world. Yeah. And so we're just looking for all the tools that we can to help us with that and we're hoping that this tool can be really effective in in helping us achieve that goal. That makes a ton of sense. 
Clay, thank you very much. Appreciate the time you spent with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wait, wait, wait.